welcome to another episode of Strange Days Live. This is your host, Doc, coming from Southern California on Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. Welcome you to another show of this Strange Days Live broadcast, bringing you anything unusual, weird, paranormal, odd, curious, spectacular. Today, probably going to discuss a little bit scary stories from the internet. We'll probably dive into a little bit of strange urban tales. We'll see where the night takes us. As always, you're invited in to join me in the show. And this is simply done by clicking on the link that's posted on our comment section. If you want to reach us via what's up you can also click on the qr code at the top right hand side of our um, screen here or if you want to dial in you could dial in at area code 951-888-0313 and i'll put in it right here in the comment section as well doesn't have to be anything spectacular. You can call us with questions. You can call us with something related to our topic or out of topic. Hope you guys are doing well. Keeping up with the news, keeping up with the world, and keeping up with the paranormal. Let's see here what we can discuss today. So I was kind of debating into what topic to go to, and I think scary stories or ghost stories are always something that's enjoyed by most of us that are into the paranormal. For some reason, ghosts uh, are something that just sort of hits the right spot, if you will, for all of us that like this kind of uh, discussion. Um, so yeah, let's. I'm going to read a little bit of stories here from from Reddit. Now, these stories have not been uh, pre-read, so they're new to me, just as they are to you, so if I have any sort of reaction to them, I will um, react at the same moment. So, some of the stories, you know, that there are from Reddit, they may not be perfectly written, uh, and so if I make mistakes, I usually tend to correct them, but, uh, you know, it all goes with the same sort of motif of being a live show this particular story uh was posted into the ghost stories forum and it's titled i play with a ouija board once with a medium it was terrifying the writer says um i want not to believe in i want not to believe in the spirit world but what i experienced was out of uh, was real after talking to the spirit on the board the medium said that uh, the spirit says that you have doubts she asked me to stand up in the room and hold up my hand and relax. All of a sudden, my hand, without any explanation, moved up and down as if it had been shaken by a person. I froze on the spot. The medium said, that's your aunt proving she is right here with you. It was unbelievable, and I still can't get my hand around it. Note to self, note to you guys, Ouija boards are not really something to play around with. And as you remember, Art Bell always spoke about Ouija boards as being something that he did not particularly enjoy or like. And I particularly do not condone any of its uses. I think it's a powerful tool 
that tends to bring in more harm. Even for experienced people, they can have lingerings or opening up gateways to things that you have no way to to unlock, if you will. So be be careful with those things. Okay, be careful with that. This next story. Let's see. I'm going to go by ratings because sometimes these stories are quite boring and they're not really scary. (laughs) Excuse me. They somehow make it into the forum, but, um, but they're not that scary. This one has some, some good reviews. So we'll read it and you get what you get. Sometimes they're short. Sometimes they're long. This particular story is very short. So it's titled my first encounter. The year was 1999. I just had a baby and had been home from the hospital for a few days. We were in bed and the baby started crying. My husband got up and put a bottle on to heat up. He came back to the bed and fell asleep. I saw my ex-fiance who had passed away two years earlier. He was screaming at me to get up. What woke me up to full attention was he said that if I didn't wake up, he would never speak to me again. I jumped up and started screaming at my husband to get up. The entire house was full of smoke. The pan had melted to the stove and the bottle was completely melted. I got the baby and got out of the house and into my car. My husband opened all the windows in the house and went straight to the emergency department where my husband and I both needed breathing treatments. The baby was perfectly fine. It was a scary time. I've never shared the story with anyone before except my husband. When he asked me why I woke up. So her diseased ex-fiance actually saved her. Cool story. This one's called Creepy Coincidences or a sign from a deceased loved one. You decide. I need to share a little context and backstory first. My dad suffered a massive stroke and passed away in 2006. When I was 10 years old, my parents divorced and my dad moved to a different town, which meant I spent my weekends at my dad's house with my older brother and my younger sister. Around Christmas in 1989, my brother gave my dad a sippo lighter that had a very small rectangular gold metal plate that had been engraved with my dad's initials, MRF. My dad was not so much of a cook. The best thing he made was elbow pasta with stewed tomatoes and sweetened low. Yuck. <laughs> So we were with him. Most of the time we ate at a little restaurant. The town he lived in was extremely small and had only one entire one restaurant for the entire population. <coughs> Four years after we lost dad, my brother and a friend happened to be driving through the same little town and they decided to stop and eat at a restaurant. When my brother was getting out of the car, something shiny on the ground in the parking lot caught his attention. And thinking that he might have dropped something when he was getting out of the car, he bent over and picked it up, not believing what he was seeing. It was a little gold plate that had my dad's initial on it, MRF. It must have fallen off the sippo my brother had given him years ago. It had been over 15 years since any of us had been to that restaurant. What are the odds? Is it a coincidence or is it a sign from my dad? What do you think it was? I know what I believe it to be. Just curious to see an outsider's perspective about it. It's a very nice story. 
<laughs> not not spooky at all, uh, but very nice. This next story is called, This Happened to Me 40 Minutes Ago. I'm spooked. Any advice? And it occurred about 20 days ago. I go to school in Buffalo, New York, founded in 1870. I was just in a building called the Old Main Study on the third floor because the library closed at 12. And I have a math quiz tomorrow. I really had to go to the bathroom, so I went to the bathroom. Obviously, no one around. It was like 1.50 a.m. So to get, I get into the stalls, and I started uh, urinating, and there was three knocks at the door. I was like, okay, maybe a janitor. So I screamed, hey. No one responded, so I stopped halfway through my urination. I opened the door, and there was nobody there. My stomach sank and dropped and I started speed walking back to the common area to grab my stuff and leave. So I was halfway down the hallway, another three knocks right from the bathroom. I grabbed my stuff and basically ran down the stairs. Never had anything like this happen to me. And I'm honestly freaked out right now. Do you have any advice? I got to get back tomorrow after class to make sure it wasn't the doors and let you know. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty weird. Um, you know, I'm sure that it's... Um, I mean, it could have been another classmate playing a trick or somebody, but yeah, that's pretty... You have to consider that to be something very odd <laughs> or a weird experience. This next story, it's titled The Woman on the Phone. It's not my own experience, but one of a close friend that does have Reddit, that doesn't have Reddit, so I'd like to tell you about it. Writes. So back in the late 80s, early 90s, he went into our local town to visit a friend for a drink. He had been waiting in their agreed meeting place for approximately 30 minutes, but the friend was nowhere to be seen. So he went to a phone booth to call his home landline. A woman picked up and asked where his friend was. The woman on the other end of the phone explained that it was his friend's sister who was visiting the family for the weekend, and she informed him that his friend had left not too long ago and should be with him soon. When his friend arrived... He explained that he called home and his sister spoke to him. His friend revealed that his sister had died in Egypt a few years prior to them becoming friends. The friend doubted this to be true, obviously, but the scary thing is that when he got home, he checked his call logs and true to the story. The phone had been picked up and answered at a time when the house should have been empty. Let's see this one. This is kind of long, very long. <laughs> this is pretty long. Uh, see, I might have read it to be honest with you. Uh, let me go. Let me see what's going on in the, in the comment section, and I'll be back and read this long story. <clears throat> hey, Clutch, how are you? Good to have you here, my friend. I hope you're enjoying the show. Okay, this story is a little bit long. It's titled, this is a long one, <laughs> but it is the scariest paranormal dash, maybe a reincarnation I have ever experienced. I titled it Blast to the Past, and it was posted on the Ghost Stories Reddit forum uh, by Cortez13 two days ago. It's got almost 100 uh, upvotes, which is pretty decent. In 2019, me and my now husband were enjoying a cold beer in a rented flat one night. We were there daydreaming of the future and scrolling scrolling through right move, looking at properties out of our price range, of course, wondering what it would be like 
to live in one of those homes in the future. This is something we often did, sending each other properties that both of us knew we wouldn't be able to afford. I would often make the comment of, that's it, that's the one. My husband would respond with, oh yes, I'll take two for that price. Well, this particular night was like no other. We scoured the web for properties all across the UK with no intention of actual buying a property, but just keeping up with the dream, doing to our current financial circumstances of unable to afford a property. You are going to love this one, my husband said. It is right up your street, a cozy cottage, rural, log burner. Say no more, send it to me, I said. The moment I heard the words cozy cottage, I was already in love. Ping, he sent across the link, and I excitedly started scrolling through the listing. OMG, that's the one, I said, but this time it was different. This time it really was the one. My heart started racing as I read deeper into the property specifics. It was everything that I have ever dreamed of, and my husband knew it too. Just one slight problem, the price. No way we were able to afford this house, and even if we could save the money, the property would definitely sell before that. We have to go see it, I told my husband. We can't, darling. We can't afford to buy it right now, and besides, it's two hours away from here. Would you ever want to move that far? Of course I would. For that house, I will move to the other side of the country. It's perfect, I said. I was hooked. And I knew that if I needed to at least view this property, a feeling I have never had before, we hadn't even considered actually viewing any of the previous properties that we had quote-unquote fallen in love with before, but this one was different. I had to go see it. Sorry, love. One way we will have our dream home, my husband said, but I knew that I had to have this house. I knew it. The next morning, I got up for work and noticed my husband was already in his home office. Early start, I asked as I walked into his office. I noticed the house listing open on his computer screen. I can't stop thinking about that house, he told me as well. I'm going to call the state agents today and maybe book a viewing, but don't get your hopes up though. I just don't see how we can afford it. But there's no harm in looking at it, right? I was like a kid in a toy shop. I was so excited to actually view the property and the fact that it was my dream home. My hopes couldn't be any higher. Leo spoke with the state agents and booked a viewing for the following Saturday. Five days I had to wait to view the house. Every day I was certain we would get a call saying the house had been sold or that they were taking no more viewings. But Saturday came around and it was finally time to make the two hours journey. The car ride felt like a lifetime. We spoke about our future, the house, finances, etc. We knew both we wouldn't be able to afford uh, to do this, but we jumped in and rose our tainted glasses. Anyways, there it is. As we arrived, I pointed at the for sale sign propped up outside the cottage. It looked exactly like the photos. We were greeted at the door by the current owner, and they quickly showed us in. There's not many times in life where I find myself speechless, but this is one of those times. The cottage was surreal, and the location was absolutely perfect. I looked at my husband and his face, said it all. He too was in love. The homeowner seemed very, very nice. They explained they were in a hurry to sell and were sad to be leaving um, the property after only spending one year here. One year, I thought to myself, I will spend the rest of my life here. But little did I know what was to come. Back in the car, my husband and I were very silent. We both knew it would be impossible. <clears throat> Told ourselves not to get our hopes up because 
before coming here. But now that we had seen the house, we both knew that it was really the one. <clears throat> that night we sent and went, we sat and went through all of our expenses, canceling all, all of our necessary subscriptions, desperately trying to find an inch of possibility to scrape together the deposit needed. But no matter how hard we tried, we would fall at least 10,000 uh, pounds short of what we needed. Disheartened and exhausted, we both agreed it was impossible and we would just have to forget that we have ever seen that house. We emailed the state agents, thanked them for their time, and asked them to keep us in the loop on the sale of the cottage. The following day was a normal, as our Sundays were. We met family, went shopping, continued as nothing had happened. That was, of course, until my husband had an unexpected business call to take. Really? You're going to answer that? It's Sunday, I told them. Can I wait until you're back in town, I asked. It won't be long, honey. I'm not sure who it is, but it could be urgent. He took himself off to answer the call. Roughly five minutes later, he walked back into the room. Only it looked like he had seen a ghost. What's wrong? I shouted, hurrying him over. You're never going to believe it. Somebody had just offered me a job on the side, cash in hand sort of thing. That's great. Um, do you think you can do it? You're quite busy as it is. I asked the question, but I knew he would say yes. He's a workaholic. You don't understand, Chloe. This isn't a small job. They've offered me 10,000 pounds to do this for them. Are you serious? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was like somebody above had sent an angel. All I could think about was a beautiful cottage house. I accepted it right away, my husband said. I need to start working on it tonight. They need it desperately. That's fantastic. 10,000, that's exactly what we need. The house deposit. He finished my sentence off. We were both slightly weirded out by the coincidence, but we have always lived by the motto, if it's meant to be, it will be. The following morning, we rang the state agents first, first thing in the morning and placed our offer on the house. By the afternoon, we had been accepted and had already received all the legal documents to fill in. We were over the moon, and for the next four months, we worked relentlessly to save any extra pennies, both putting in overtime and my husband working side jobs and on evening and weekends to make sure that this was the best start for a new home. Moving day came around and the whole process was so smooth sailing. It was really meant to be, I thought. It took us some time to adjust to our new home, getting our bearings in our new town, coming to terms that we were homeowners and making sure every last ornament was placed perfectly. We both often joked that the house felt like it was drawing us in, almost like it had a certain personality. Maybe this was because the property was nearly 200 years old and had a lot of character. But after a while... I did start to get a slight uneasy feeling. All of the coincidences and the facts that they were actually in the property did make me start questioning how is this actually possible? Now, before I continue deeper into the story, I want to pause here to tell you that my husband is the biggest skeptic I have ever met who couldn't be more opposites when it comes to the paranormal and supernatural. In some ways, this is a good thing because he will rationalize some of the things I experienced, putting my mind at ease. On the other hand, I would often find it very frustrating when he wouldn't believe the things that I was explaining to him. Back to the story. We now had been living in the cottage for a few months. For the most part, we had settled in nicely. There was just a few things that uh, that hearts started out the ordinary. Items would be randomly disappear and reappear in completely different places. The keys placed on the side of the kitchen would go missing for days and show up in the bedside cabinet. TV remotes would randomly appear in the kitchen side after we both had sworn we hadn't moved them. 
I was starting to get very weirded out by all these experiences, but my husband would simply put it down as being tired. As frustrating as it was probably right, I thought we were both working hard during the day and decorating at night. We were probably just misplacing items by ourselves, right? It was Friday night. We had both been up late watching a movie and I had to drink too many cups of tea. We went to bed and as I expected in the night, <clears throat> needing to use the bathroom. The route to the bathroom from the master bedroom was as follows. Come out of the door, to the right was a staircase. Turn left, the bathroom was immediately in front of you. And to the left again was a long, dark hallway that led to a spare bedroom. The spare bedroom door was always left shut due to an open fireplace in there that caused a draft down the hall. As I approached the bathroom door, something told me to look down the hallway towards the spare bedroom. To my surprise, the door to the spare bedroom was wide open. And to my horror, I could make out a dark figure lurking in the corner. I froze in fear, petrified and unable to move. All I could do was watch as right before my eyes, the house transformed back in time to the 1800s. There was now an iron cot in the corner of the room where we were had a place, a wardrobe. And the fire was burning even though it was out, out of use. I was very confused, but still unable to move due, due to the pure adrenaline rushing through my whole body. I watched as the figure emerged out of the corner of the room and walked towards the cot. It was a woman dressed white, Victorian-style dress. She was crying hysterically, leaning over the cot and looking down in what I could only make out to be a deceased child in her arms or a deceased child. My heart racing, I managed to step closer to the bathroom door the floorboards underneath me creaked, and in that moment, I felt these eyes burning into the side of my head. She saw me. I screamed, ran back into my bedroom, and slammed the door shut. What is it? My husband jumped out of bed. I, I saw a woman in the spare room, but it wasn't in the spare room. It was different. It was like it was in a different time zone. And I, you what? He asked me half asleep before I could even answer again. He was walking out of the bedroom door. Wait, I shouted after him. We both walked into the hallway. The door to the spare room was now shut. There's nothing here. He opened the door and looked around. The room was back to normal. You were probably sleepwalking or something. It's 3 a.m., Chloe, and let's go back to sleep. I know what I saw, I said, hurrying back into the bed. That night, I didn't sleep a wink. I kept thinking about the lady that I had just seen. Who was she? Why was she crying? And what happened to the baby? Questions I knew I'd probably never get answers to. The next day, we both went out of our out about our day. Whenever I tried to mention the whole ordeal to my husband, he would just put it down as me being tired. Frustrated, I knew this time that this wasn't the case. I knew what I had seen, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. A whole, a whole year had passed since that night. It was now 2020. COVID was on the rise, and the lockdowns were on the way. The past year had been pretty uneventful in the house. The odd items were still being misplaced, and sometimes I would see things out of the corner of my eye, but nothing that couldn't be explained. Things like a tree or a breeze moving a curtain, a shadow from a car light shining through the window. One thing is for sure, I had never seen that lady up to that moment again. We were now both working from home, spending 24-7 in the cottage due to COVID. We were both starting to get cabin fever when restrictions finally started to be lifted for the first time. The first thing we did was book a week away in North Wales. Wales had our heart. 
the open and this countryside, the beaches and quaint cottages. We would always visit once or twice a year and always joke that one day we would live there. On our visit this time, though, we walked past a state agent in a small village and saw an advertisement for another small cottage. And for the first time, it was actually our price range. Look at this, love. I pointed to the window at the advertisement. Yes, it's lovely, but my gosh, that needs some work. It wasn't wrong. It was on the brink of being derelict. No heating, hole in the windows. It was definitely a fixer-upper. Fancy a project, I joked. Before we could continue the conversation, there was an emergency news broadcast flashing up on our phones. The country was going back into lockdown in the next 24 hours. We had to rush back to the to our home. Our holidays were gone. Packed up our belongings and went back to the cottage. Back home, our spirits were very low. We were always, always sad when we had to leave Wales, but this was different. We were both mourning the, mourning the country and wanted nothing more than to return. A few weeks had passed, and out of curiosity, we began searching right move for houses in North Wales. The derelict cottage was no longer for sale, but it was no surprise to me. It was priced perfectly for a builder and do-it-yourself to stamp it up. We talked at length and decided to put our house up for sale. Maybe it was a lockdown, maybe it was something else, but our perfect cottage was not so perfect anymore. The inviting feeling we had once felt had disappeared and the house now felt cold. We spoke to a few state agents and promptly decided that we would list a house with it. Within a few days, there was now a for sale sign standing outside our home. Now. Like I said, the energy has shifted, the house was different, but nothing could have prepared me for what was about to happen. The second that the sign went up for sale, it was like we had awoken something evil in the house. That same night, we listed the house. Me and my husband had been celebrating with a cold beer. Cheers to whatever the future brings, we said. We had a late one and headed off to bed. I remember feeling quite uneasy, almost as if I was being watched that night, but I put it down to maybe having one too many. Tossing and turning, I struggled to sleep. My husband, on the other hand, was flat out and snoring right next to me. It was just about to nod off when something inside me told me to open my eyes. There she was. The woman I had seen over a year ago in the spare room was now standing over our bed. The unmistakable outline of her Victorian dress and her mousy blouse hair in an outdated hairstyle. She was staring at my husband sleeping. I closed my eyes shut, thinking that when I reopened them, she would disappear. I slowly opened them again, but she was still there. Only she had her hand out and slowly approaching my husband, heading straight for his throat I screamed and watched as she contorted her head towards me, grinning as she was still leaning towards my husband, hands stretched out ready to strangle him. I dived under the cover once again, jolting my husband awake. Are you okay? He shouted. I was sobbing, inconsolable, unable to find any words to explain to him what has just happened. Chloe, what's wrong? You're starting to worry me now. He sat up, giving me a cuddle and calmed me down before I could talk. I saw her. Saw who, he asked, understandably, very confused. The woman, the same woman I saw in the spare room last year. But this time, she was trying to kill you. Usually, he would have some witty excuse as to what I had seen, but this time, he could tell that I was dead serious. I was a complete wreck. 
He had never seen me like this before, and somewhere in the back of his mind, he could tell that I was telling the truth. I didn't sleep much for the next week, and Leo could see how the house was draining my energy. We pushed on to find a new property as quickly as possible and accepted every house viewing for our cottage. It only took one week for us to find a buyer for our house. They put an offer in just above our asking price, and we were ecstatic accepting their offer right away. As usual, that night we toasted to selling our house. We stood in the kitchen on FaceTime to family, talking to family and friends, relating the good news. I just need to I just need to go to the bathroom, I said running upstairs. Leo was still in the kitchen on FaceTime with my mom. I was washing up in the bathroom when I had this uneasy feeling come over me. Once again I felt watch. I felt as though someone or something was starting outside was standing outside the bathroom door waiting for me to come out. Shaking off the fear, I slowly opened up the bathroom door. Standing in the doorway of our master bedroom was the woman again. She was partially blocking my only exit to the top of the staircase. I once again froze as she turned to look at me. Her face twisted and her eyes turned black. She began to hysterically scream in my face as dark tears ran down her angry expression on her face. She started to move closer to me. I ran like hell down the stairs, closing my eyes and screaming myself. I ran past her down and into the kitchen. She is here. She's at the top of the stairs. I cried as I ran to Leo. His mom was still on the other line of the phone. She could hear everything. It's okay. It's okay. You're safe now. Leo once again tried to comfort me. But before I was too distraught, we slept in the living room at night and went together on toilet shifts. Whatever or whoever she was, I could tell that she was angry at us. Maybe it was because we were selling the house. I don't know. But something in that house had changed. Over the next few months, we were dealing with solicitors and state agents on a weekly basis. Nothing about this house sale was smooth sailing, and we still couldn't find a house to move in ourselves. Our spirits started to dampen when we lost our first buyer and had to relist the house for sale. We had decided if we don't sell again in a fortnight, and if we haven't found a house ourselves, then we would have to take the house off the market. One evening, we were scrolling through the internet for houses as we always done before, and I spotted the house that had started all of this. The derelict cottage in North Wales had been relisted, but this time for even cheaper than before. I showed my husband and he agreed to book a viewing. The following weekend, we drove the 3.5 hours to Wales to see the property. We had never been to this area before. We knew nothing about it. And for all you know, this could be cheap because of the area. Regardless, we still went on our trip. Upon arrival, we noticed just how rural the house was. There was no neighbors, no main roads, no street lights, just a tiny cottage standing among fields and fields of farmlands. The area can't be that bad if there's no one here, my husband joked. What a view, though, I pointed towards the end of the garden. The view was like something out of a painting. It was in that moment that I knew that it didn't matter what the house looked like on the inside. The view was worth millions to me. We looked around the property and quickly realized it needed a lot more work than we were capable of, but for some crazy reason, we loved the house. We thanked the state agent for showing us around and asked if we had been much interested in the property. Yes, we have far more viewings today and lots more over the weekend, they replied. We hurried into the car and knew that if we wanted to, we had to move fast. I don't know what it is about the house, but I felt safe in there, I said to Leo as I was buckling my safety belt. Yes, I know what you mean. 
What do you think of all the work it needs, though? He asked. It's a lot of work, but the view is completely amazing, and it, it would definitely be worth it for just for that. We drove one mile up the road, pulled over, and ragged the state agent immediately. Unbeknownst to me, my husband decided to put in a lowball offer, explaining to the state agent that the property needs a lot of TLC and it wouldn't be possible at the price listed. I thought he was crazy, as the seller had already listed the property for forty thousand less that they had done the first time around. We waited eagerly for a call back from the state agent, worried that the sellers would be offended by our offer and wouldn't want to negotiate with us. To my surprise, they accepted the offer. Not only did they accept our offer, they canceled all the other viewings that were booked to take place that afternoon. We raced <clears throat> home so excitedly, but also a little shocked that we had just done. We were not do-it-yourself professionals, and this was a big move even further away from friends and families. Upon arriving home, we received a phone call from our uh, state agent. We received an offer on our house, once again, above asking price. This time, it was the first-time buyer who wanted to move quickly, and as the house we had just purchased was empty, the chain was short. We accepted straight away and began to prepare the paperwork. A few months passed. We were starting to pack the house up one evening when the doorbell rang. It was my neighbor. We hadn't spoken too much before, but she had been cleaning out a loft and came across an old journal. She explained that the journal was written by a lady who once lived in our house many years before and thought that I would like to read through it. I thanked her and took uh, up on her offer. That night after dinner, I sat at the dining room table and began to flick through the journal. I turned a few pages before suddenly being stopped in my tracks. Right there in front of me was a portrait of the woman I had seen in our house. Underneath the painting, it read... Jane Smith. I continued over the page, June 16, 1857-56. Today I lay my sweet child to rest. I couldn't read anymore. Leo, come in here, I called my husband. My husband, too, couldn't believe his eyes. Everything I had told him about this woman was not written in his diary that had been handed over to me by my neighbor. I spent the rest of the night delving deeper into the story to find that she married a noble man, I went on to be some, some might say a famous in the Victorian era. Because of this, she was pretty easy to find on Google, and a few universities in the area had done some studies on her life. I spent a few hours researching this woman, and I came across something quite eerie. Minus the fame, uh, me and her haven't lived too much of a similar life. We had the same family set up, both experienced hard times, and had lived in similar areas. Obviously, we also lived in the same house. All of these thoughts were just coincidences, I thought, until I saw a study paper online. It read that after living at her current home, she too moved to North Wales with her husband. But not only did she move to North Wales, she moved to the exact same town that we were buying our new home in. I was officially crept out. Was this woman following me or was I following her? Or was I her in a past life and I am now reliving this life in a different timeline? We were related or is this a coincidence? A million questions floored through my mind. In a panic state, I slammed the diary shut and promptly took it back to the neighbor, never wanting to look at it again. After this house sale went smoothly, I never saw the woman again and we moved into a derelict cottage in North Wales. We were busy renovating that new house. We didn't know much about the history of the house. It's expected it to be around 300 years old. I did some digging and found out that the house was used in the World War as a safe house to house children from Liverpool. And that is exactly what this house is, a safe house. 
We now have lived here for three years and felt nothing but safe. We have transformed this house into our own home. And even though no neighbors, since uh, we're in the middle of nowhere, can seem a bit creepy at times, the second our doors are locked, we feel so safe and protected. That was until about a fortnight ago. Me and my husband went for a short walk to a cemetery down the road from here, admiring the old headstones. We were reading out the names of the people who lay there to rest, and we saw it. Jane Smith died 1868, followed by the name of our current house. Pretty creepy stuff, huh? Yeah, uh, that was a that was a good story. I wonder how truth it is, how truthful it is. But regardless, it was a pretty creepy tale. Co couple of questions I had. Um, I mean. If if you if we were in the place of the people that had become the owners, or that if you own a quote unquote haunted house and you had some really bad things occur or happen at that property, would you would you tell that to the new owners? You know, would you sell the house knowing its history and knowing what you experienced there? It's a good question to ponder. I know that in the middle of things, you probably would want to get out of there uh, and sell the house and never look back. But what would be the right thing to do? Well, yeah, that was a good story. Um, this one's a little bit short. This one's titled uh, The Warnings, posted 19 days ago by Morbid Lydia 77 Due to the nature of my job, I will be changing the names of everyone involved and or affected by one of the most terrifying nights I have ever experienced. The things I'm about to share actually happened to me one night while at work. I am what's known as a personal care attendant or direct support, uh, support worker. I worked on one-on-one -on -one with a disabled client. My client at the time was about 29 years old and had had a freak accident three days prior. He was accidentally shot in the neck by a straight bullet when he was sitting outside his grandparents' Porsche, leaving him quadriplegic. I have worked for him for many years. He lives uh, in my cousin's home with his four daughters. At that time, I worked from 5, 5 p.m. to 7 a.m. while my cousin was at work. I do everything my client is unable to do, like housework, to cooking, to daily tasks, and he needs help with as well as taking care of his four kids. After I put all the kids to bed, I got Nate settled in for the night. I went through the house and made sure all the lights were turned off and all the doors were locked. They had a security system as well, but for some reason I forgot to arm it that day. It was about 10 o'clock at night when I went to my cousin's bedroom to watch a movie on my laptop before going to sleep. About an hour into the movie, I headed to the kitchen for something to drink. It was dark, but I'm used to the layout, and I didn't bother to turning on the lights. When I heard a sound coming from the front door, I didn't immediately recognize. It was a doorknob rattling. I have experienced a lot of paranormal activity over the years in this house, and I peeked out to see if anybody was at the door and saw no one. So I assumed that it was just that. I checked all the doors and windows and made sure everything was okay and went back to the bedroom to finish my movie. After about 10 minutes... My laptop started acting up, I froze, and it was making a really strange high-pitched noise that I've personally never heard before. I restarted it and did it, and it started doing it all over again. 
I shrugged it off and decided it was I was getting tired anyways and thought about going to bed. I started to lie down when I heard footsteps in the hallway, heading, of course, in the direction of the kid's room and the bedroom that I was in. So I got up and flipped the light of the hall and peeked out the door into the hallway. No one. But I again walked through the house, checking on everybody and making sure everything was locked up. By this time, I started feeling very, very anxious, and I knew that I wouldn't be able to sleep now. So I turned the TV and the volume down so I didn't disturb anyone when I heard a very familiar voice say my name. It sounded exactly like my father, except Dad had passed away nearly 10 years before. I sat up and looked around the room. Again, no one. And I started thinking, I'm not going to sleep tonight at all. The activity was kicking up more than usual, so I decided to use the voice recorder to figure out what was going on. I captured the voice of a young boy. My client's children are all girls. After asking him some questions, it sounded like he said, need to be careful. I tried to ask more questions, but it was so tired. Out of the corner of my eye, in the reflection of a large picture frame, I saw something move. I also heard the movements and turned to look. I couldn't see anything in front of me, but I swear see my uncle who had passed a few years prior reflection in the glass of the picture frame and then i heard him say you can't go to sleep i'm a paranormal investigator and not a lot of things freak me out but i've never experienced this kind of activity before it was close to two in the morning at this time and i had almost three hours of constant unexplained activity i decided i had enough and i walked over to the nightstand grabbed the remote to arm the security system pushed the button to arm it and thought this is crazy i need to just try to get some sleep i had to be up in a few hours to get the girls ready for school i stuck my knee on the bed and at the exact moment someone kicked me in the back someone kicked in the back door of the house which was located in the kitchen Security system went off. It was extremely loud and lights were flashing all over the house. I grabbed the phone, ran towards the back, open door. I didn't see anybody, but I dialed 911. One of my biggest fears is somebody breaking in and I was on the phone. I was checking to make sure everything was all right and there wasn't anybody actually in the house. My cousin called me because the security system company had called him because of the alarm being triggered and he had told them it was probably an accident. I told them to call them back. Someone just kicked in the door and I'm not turning this alarm system off until the police come. We never found out who tried to break in the house, but you cannot convince me that all the paranormal activity I had experienced that night was not a warning about what was going to happen that night. It was truly if there was a purposely doing these things to get my attention so that I wouldn't forget to set the alarm by keeping me awake. I am really not afraid of the paranormal. It's a living I tend to worry about. And this is a simple, a perfect example of that. Cool, very cool story. Let's see here. Let's see if we can go to another sort of... Uh, another sort of uh, Reddit. This is called Real Horror Stories. <clears throat> Let's see what we got here. Um. 
yeah unfortunately um no this this particular reddit doesn't have a lot of activity hope you guys are doing okay out there um if you guys want to call in with one of your stories it would be appreciative let's see here you know what i think i've actually read stories from here i think i'm pretty up to date let me i want to find one more um before we call it a show let's see if i can find a good last story are just weird stories nothing really to go there by well i think we might we might call it a day i hope um i hope that you guys have a good night and unless you guys wanna you, you guys wanna chat Go ahead and put some comments so we can talk to each other. Ask me questions if you want so we can maybe make it into the app. Or I know there's, there's people out there listening to the show. So if you guys want to go ahead and maybe uh, ask me some questions. In regards to the, the show itself, we are I'm still kind of working. The numbers have gone up uh, increasingly. Hey, Brad, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, if you have any questions, go ahead and ask. Numbers of our show have been going up and up. Subscriptions have gone up. So there's definitely a lot of people that enjoy the show. And I'm happy because I've been putting in a lot of work. The live aspect, I understand, it takes a little bit uh, longer to formulate into, you know, what I have envisioned. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I enjoy I'm getting uh, trying to get some more interviews set up. And eventually one day I know that we'll be able to do take the live call format, what I want to do. All right. So Brad Pitbull asked me a question. Thank you, Brad. Uh, he says, do you think UFOs are from another planet or another dimension or inner earth? It's a great question, Brad. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. So I personally believe that UFOs are from another dimension. And the reason being because uh, of the ability to break the laws of physics in a matter that are non, you know, congruent with what our understandings of physics are, which seem to be pretty uh, widespread to the galaxy. You know, for example, whenever you have UFO footages of UFOs moving uh, at a speed that's quite considerably faster than the speed of sound. Uh, why don't we ever experience uh, any sort of, uh, you know, um, when you break the speed of sound, uh, like you have the, this really, really loud, um, thunderous, um, one second, <laughs> speed of sound. Um, you have this, uh, I forgot the name of it. But but yeah, you have um, when you break the speed of sound, you get the sound wave uh, that actually makes a, a big big noise. And so with UFOs, we never experience that 
sort of like things just move really fast. So what I think it could be, it's, um, I definitely believe that it's another dimension. Um, Cause I don't really, th I think if, if you're gonna be traveling from a distant planet to earth to be an observer, why would one, why would you flash a bunch of lights uh, and make your presence known? Um, why would you appear in a daytime scenario to a lot of people if you want to remain unknown? And what is the purpose of traveling so far if you don't want to make any contact? You know, it doesn't make, if you want to be an observer, then you obviously you have the technology not to, you know, have Christmas trees shining on the side of your vessels. Um, so I don't think, and, and I don't think that's something, um, conducive to like spending so much time traveling um i know that we don't have uh so far that if we adhere to the laws of physics you know coming from the nearest star will be you know hundreds of years if you're traveling at the speed of light i don't see anything traveling faster than the speed of light so i just think that the you know unless there's you know aliens that live in other closer to planets to us within the you know within like two to three light years but um no i i think they're interdimensional um i also think that uh bigfoots are also interdimensional so that that's how you can explain for example people disappearing things appearing and disappearing out of nowhere a lot of times when you think about all these people going missing in national parks i think the only explanation is a portal opening up I mean, that would be the only plausible thing of somebody just like being six feet behind you and all of a sudden they, they completely disappear and are gone. In regards to the inner earth, that's a, that's a possibility uh, as well. But I think uh, if they are, you know, within the earth and why, how are they able to break the, the, the rules of physics? And the word I was looking for is a sonic boom. That's the name of the the sound that uh, when you break the, the sound barrier that generates a sonic boom. So it's a very, very loud sound. Sometimes I think that UFOs can be projections as well, you know, because if you project something, um, then, then, for example, let me put it to you this way. If you had a, you know, when you play with a laser pen and you shine it uh, at a distance and you can make the, sh the pen, the laser, do all kinds of things that seem to defy gravity, you know. Up, you can go up all the way up and down, like 100 feet within two seconds. And if so, if there's somebody's projecting the UFOs, then uh, that would uh, make it uh, more plausible for them to be able to sort of, quote-unquote, break the rules of physics. Um, where are the projections coming from? I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. Uh, but, yeah, that's how I personally feel. So I think they're they're interdimensional beings could be demons right fallen angels i'm opening for more what about what about you brad what do you believe out of all the, those three things yeah absolutely i just think that there's too much effort um if something was from another planet, I think it's just too much effort for them to come here just basically for what? I mean, it's not like we offer... 
you know it'll be like akin for us to drive uh i don't know a year to a zoo would you make a would you drive a year just to go see a zoo i wouldn't yeah if you have more questions put them in uh so so we can answer them No, we have six, we have a couple of listeners out there. So as far as Brad Pitbull, uh, he says, I believe that they may be engineers that bred us here on this ant farm called Earth. Okay, so and they're like kind of checking up on us from some part, yeah. So sort of like a, an ex, we are um, an experiment of somebody's uh, well, somebody's experiment, basically. There was a 90s band that was called Alien Unfar Ant Farm. Remember that band? I think that's probably what, uh, with God's blessing, as the overall boss. <laughs> yeah, so we can be an alien ant farm. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't adhere to that belief, but definitely, uh, it, it is plausible. But you know, as human beings, we don't really offer much. We're kind of more. A pain in the neck if you think about it we fight we're naughty we don't get along too well with each other we value things that are like meaningless we strive for things that are not gonna you know we're just uh i mean if we were pets would you like to own a human or you'd rather own a dog i'd rather own a dog seriously if i was some kind of you know if there was in if I kind of stepped out from my belief system, if I was some kind of alien and somebody came in, you want to own a human or you want to own the school dog? I'd be like, no, I'll take the dog, man. I don't want to mess with humans. We're just complicated people. Yeah, they did a, a Michael Jackson uh, remix song. That's probably like the, the fam most famous song that they that they did back in the day. That, uh, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? The Smooth Criminal remake. So, um... We did some Reddit scary stories earlier. Pretty strange things. I don't know if they're like real. I question some of them, um, but uh, it, it was fun reading them. And um, I post uh, if you guys are listening out there, uh, go ahead and in the comment section if you have any questions for me. Uh, I would like you to to ask me anything. It can be about any topic, uh, personal or impersonal, about beliefs or whatever. I would love to answer the questions. Brad Pitbull, Pitbull uh, writes, the belief that some of these aliens or entities or fallen angels devour or feed off our low or negative energy and some of the angel guard us from completely dark entities. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I just, uh, I was on Twitter or X earlier today and they had some, uh, I was meaning to watch it. They had some kind of guy who was some sort of scientist, you know, as they always are. And he was saying that, uh, that aliens um, or shapeshifters usually feed off of uh, feed off of human blood, and that sort of explains a little bit uh, all the missing people, all the people actually that go missing. That they're actually we're just kind of food for them, which is not impossible. Um, I I was looking the other day at missing kids, and it's it's horrible how many kids go missing. There's there's states where there's like thousands of kids that have gone missing. You know, I was researching uh, 
I wasn't. I remember when I was a little kid, they used to put kids' photographs on the milk cartons, um, missing kids in the milk carton. So I was wondering why they don't do that anymore, or if they still do that anymore. And that's when I bumped into missing kids. And man, you'd be surprised how many. There's thousands of kids that go missing. Um, so you have to attribute it if there's an evil purpose behind all of this, which I'm sure there are, you know? There's so many questions yet to be discovered, not just answered. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. There's a lot of questions that haven't been asked. Yeah, it makes me nauseous to simply think of the number of missing kids. Tell me about it, man. It's disgusting. I mean, I have, I have girls that are still teenagers, and I don't let them play in the front because uh, just that that's that's one of my biggest fear that I have as a parent because um, you hear things and <clears throat> I'm actually I live uh, a couple of miles away from one of the the biggest uh, the city that has the biggest rate of uh, human uh, trafficking in the US so it is horrible man it is very very horrible how kids just simply vanish and then there's nothing that you can do about it I, 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 honestly, I wish that that somebody would come up or they would legalize uh, sort of chipping your kids. I know it sounds weird, but we're able to track our phones, right? We're able to track our phones. Uh, we have all these trackers, but uh, and you can even put tracker animals. Why wouldn't you be able to devise some kind of thing that you can put a little chip in your kids so you can track them? And I don't know why is it illegal, you know. Somebody needs somebody has to be profiting from the kids going missing to make something like that. It's a it's a procedure. Kids can have, you know, kids can have all kinds of procedures without your approval. Why is safety something that needs to be guarded by somebody else? You know, you have you know, you have implants for for people not to get pregnant. You can have a same sort of similar type of implant that will just geolocate people. And um and then that would solve a lot of the missing kids. You know, you you you, you can put it in a in a different in, a, in different places, or I don't know. You could uh, it can be a disposable device that they can swallow. Like you take you know you take vitamins every day. You take a, a you take a device. I mean, they have that to do. A, there's a a way for you to have a, a scope of your intestines. You swallow a camera pill. And it makes its way through the whole inside of you. And that pill is pretty big. And it's a camera. It takes fit pictures. So why can they device camera or not a camera, a tracking device that the kid can swallow, right? Which will make it impossible for for a perpetrator to try to, try to get it out of somebody. Uh, and it will give you ample time to know where your kid is if he has gone missing. So let's say you take take one of these things once a day. You probably have like three or four in your system. And they're like little beacons, uh, beacons, and they work with a with an app, so you can track your kids. Because I'm, I'm telling you, there was like a thousand kids that went missing just within a month last week. I think it was in like within a month that I saw, uh, just in one state. And these are little kids, like four or five year old teenagers, seventeen year old, and the world is a sick, sick place. So, you know, if somebody wanted to do something. Wor worthwhile or worthy then they should come up with this i would be like the first one to purchase these and they don't cause any harm you know you just have i mean we we have our phones next to us 24 7 and they have more radiation emanating from the phones that who knows what 
a simply tracking device that you could manage. Um, and yeah, there could be some other purposes for it too, but I mean, you have to outweigh the rare, the, you know, the good versus the bad, right? Yeah, I, I, I grew up in, uh, I grew up in LA. I grew up, I lived for a while. I lived near East LA. So it was pretty, it was a pretty bad area, man. But I'm, I'm close to San Bernardino. And this is the area that in California where they have a lot of child trafficking. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. Brad Pipple says, three missing adults within the range. I walk my dogs on the daily. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we fight for a lot of causes, but uh, I don't know who, who fights for the missing. I mean, we all know that it goes down. And unless it's somebody that, you know. I mean, um, you know, we've all heard of the, the stories of, uh, what's the name of this little girl that went missing, uh, Madeline McCann, the little girl that went missing off of Portugal. I mean, that's one, um, that's one case. Why, why, why do we, why do they blow it up so big? Why don't they blow every single case of missing kids that big? Right? And nobody talks about it. Maybe I should start doing something about it instead of expecting somebody else to do it. Let's hear. Chill, fine, America. Um, fine, I'm trying to find out some statistics. Damn. Check this out. <clears throat> check, check this. This is just in the in the U.S. This is in. I mean, this is. See, team. I don't know if this is just to the U.S. Oh, this is an estimated eighty uh, eight hundred thousand children are reporting missing each year. More than two thousand of these kids every day. Two thousand kids missing every single day. And then you have one kid that went missing in Portugal and they make all kinds of shows on it. I mean, nothing's wrong with that. But what about the 2,000 kids that go missing every day? One in five girls and one in 10 boys will be victimized by the age of 18. Yet only one in three will tell anybody. This is about, you know, what kind of victimization I'm talking about. But and it's 80, 800,000 kids are reporting missing each year. I know all of not not all of the missing kids are you know it's it's some kids run away some kids you know do this and that but out of that eight you know um, out of all these kids which is almost a million kids I'm sure that at least like even if it's five hundred of them that are missing for like abductions the, for for bad purposes if we created something to protect these kids simply as a devising, a, creating some kind of device to be able to track them. Why don't they do it? And I remember when I had my my son, for, uh, This my son was born, he's 20, he's in his 20s. When he first was born, I, you know, this was, technology was in its infancy. I used to look around and I was like, hey, do, do they chip? I know they chip dogs. So I'm like, do, do they chip kids? Because I would love to chip my son. Um, yeah. So that's my two cents in it. Uh, maybe becoming more active in that will be a good avenue. 
have a, a personal friend who uh, worked for the sheriff's department, and she was in charge of uh, actually uh, exploited kids here in the in the area. And she, the, the stories are just uh, horrifying. But not, not none of that makes it in the news because the society were more 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 concerned about what Kanye West is doing or what Kim Kardashian is up to. But we fail ourselves, and then that goes to tell you, man, that. You know, if there is such thing as aliens, you don't want to come here, man. Unless you want to come fix things. This is a bad place. Clutch says she'll look into the work Richard D. Hall did in that case. I guess that the Madeline McCann. Um, Pitbull says had another young female client coming back from the gym at night who almost got kidnapped while parking on the street last year. No, it's insane. I'm going to... I like Kanye, but low the curtain. No, I, I love I love Kanye. Trust me. I just uh, uh, what I was meaning is that we we saturate uh, we saturate people with the wrong kind of information. You know, we divide people. Like we don't really focus on things that are needed to be focused on. We you know we 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 focus on the luxury of the yacht, but at the same time we we sort of don't pay attention to the fact that it's sinking. <clears throat> and it's just, I guess that goes to just um, emphasize more my belief in the Bible, because it says that these are this is the kind of people that we all are, you know, and this is the kind of world that we live in. It's, uh, it's gold-plated poop. And that's what it is. Our world is gold-plated poop. Yeah, that's probably what it is, Clutch. Um... Epstein and sick people that you know they're, they're just so perverse what I don't understand the whole thing with Puff Daddy too that's coming out how these these guys would just have these strange parties man where they just kind of you know it's like Sodom and Gomorrah um, evil just evil stuff you know I think Kanye is not a good guy he is one of the like Joel's yeah I, I don't I, I really I fell out of favor with Kanye. Um, I like his music. I like the first three, three to four albums, and I like the the Goddess or the Jesus album, the blue one that he put out. But I listen to the new one. It's trash. There's one, there's like one catchy track in it. But if when you compare that to like OG Kanye, with like 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 if you compare it to Graduation, I mean, the stuff that he's putting out now is trash. And I feel bad for his wife, man. His wife's just like an art piece for him. Like, he totally exploited... I mean, I'm sure she likes the fame. She's all exploited, man. Makes her walk around naked, denigrating her. I'm telling you, she's just like a prop. And, um, yeah, so our, our world is just not a good world. Yeah, and then you have well, Joel, Joel Olstein too. These people, you know, just getting rich of somebody else's faith. It's a sad, it's a sad, uh, it's a sad end times, but then people fall for it. If you guys have uh, questions for me, go ahead and post them. Otherwise, I'm probably going to, it's 39.09. I like to kind of stay under uh, the hour show. I don't like prolonging shows, but uh, if we have a, a cool topic and if you guys want to ask some questions, I'm, I'm game to stay here for longer. 
I'll give you guys, uh, there's a lot of listeners out there. If you guys want to put some questions, go ahead and enter in your comments. Now, the only caveat is that the questions are seen from, uh, from Facebook, excuse me, from, uh, from the, the chat, the YouTube channels. Uh, I'll check on X right now to see if there's anybody there, but if you're listening on X, uh, I would advise you just to come in into our YouTube channels, easier to communicate that way. Let me just check X to see if there's any activity there. Okay. Let me just go man. Brad Pitbull, how possible would organ trafficking be in regards to the missing people and their blood types? Yeah. I mean, it, it when it comes to organ transplant, it goes a little bit beyond. There's there's more than just blood type and um and the type of organ. There's uh, there's compatibility issues too that you have to adjust for. So it's kind of not that easy for you to get a an organ. There has to be certain a lot of characteristic car, uh, characteristics need to match up so it goes beyond blood type there's some antigens on the organs too that have to be matched up otherwise um your body could potentially uh, reject it you know once you get somebody else's organs you always have to be immunosuppressed so you have to basically immunosuppression means your immune system needs to be chilled out because otherwise you would um you would reject it and then that's a whole mess. I think the future and it will be the, the harvesting of organs in the future will be, you know, when they do the like stem cells, um, like kind of regrow your all your own organ. But organs are so complex that um that everything, you know, or like what I heard, they're even thinking about like printing, like 3D printing organs with uh with stem cells, but I don't know if that's, I mean, they're so intricate. There's so many things that goes into an organ that I, I just don't see that for the next hundred years. And as a, as a practicing physician, uh, it's funny that, um, I mean, f- from my side of the bed, if you will, uh, we're just like so f- much further uh, than people think, you know, we think people think that we're very advanced in what we say and what we do, but, you know, medicine is you know medicine still probably in its infancy there's 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 a lot of stuff that we cannot do i mean a lot of stuff that we cannot do so in that aspect i mean it's uh you know it's disheartening when you first find out that we're just kind of like people think that they have they think that it's medicine is what they see on tv that there's cures for everything and it doesn't work that way the body is very resilient. It's the one thing that I have learned. The body's extremely resilient, but when it gives up, boy, it gives up quick. And uh, there's no turning back when that happens. Yeah, and I'm sure there's, I mean, they, they sell organs. In the U.S., it's obviously illegal to sell your organ to somebody. Like, if you donate it, you, you can't, they, there's no monetary compensation, but... In India, I think they in India and other Middle Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern or Asia, uh, yeah, Asian. Uh, there's people that actually sell. You can go and buy organs there from people, but it's not as easy, you know. That's why it's it's um, most people that match for a donation. They usually match with a brother, a sister, or a close relative. 
but some people are desperate enough to do that. So, uh, Brad Pitbull asked, do you think if the common person ate an apple a day or did some daily walk-in overall human health would improve and less stress on the medical field? No, that's nonsense. To be completely honest with you, um, I think uh, genetics plays a very important role in health because we're so predisposed for a lot of things. Um, definitely eating, uh, you know, I, I am, this is my belief as a doctor. I, I tell people they have, they, they can't be too, too clean and too perfect, okay? And, and that might be some kind of radical belief, but I think the people that tend to be too careful in what they eat or, you know, they always want to maintain cleanliness or they always want to kind of stay away from dangers. I think those people don't live very long. Like I tell people when they have kids, if they're, if it's their first kid, I tell them, listen, you put the kid down and you let him eat from the dirt. You let the, the dogs lick them. You, you get you don't wash your hands all the time because what you want to do is you want to expose the kid to its many bacteria and its many nastiness as you can because you want that kid to have a robust library. Basically, anytime we're exposed to anything that our body doesn't recognize as being from itself, we build a library, right? You build your own library. And so that's what immunizations are. You build your own library. So basically, it's like your body sees something floating by that doesn't recognize, and it goes and it checks out its books. It's like, hey, this guy's not supposed to be here. But this is how we battled him in the past, so it knows how to attack. Now, you have a, a kid that lives in a bubble, you know, you're going to have any virus come up. Your body's going to be like, hey, this guy doesn't look like one of us. Uh, let's see how we can battle. Oh, wait, there's nothing here. What the heck do we do? Or the same thing with people that don't have vaccines, you know. The less volumes that you have in your library, the less you are um, able to fight off infection. So when 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 I, I see people with, that are because usually parents that have, you know, they're first-time parents, man, they protect their kids like like gold. I tell them, no, I mean, you let them eat from the dirt, all, all kinds of stuff, because that way you expose them to all kinds of bad stuff. So for this, that's the same thing I tell parent, my, my patients, you know, if you it's okay for you to eat, you know, fast food once in a while. It's okay for you to eat meat once in a while. Or it's okay for you to have one or two, you know, alcoholic drinks a day if you want. Just, you need to your body to be exposed to toxins so your body knows how to fight them off. <clears throat> um, Brad Pitbull says, do the homeless have an incredible immune system? Uh, we should track that data because, um, you know, a lot of uh, people that are homeless, they're pretty robust. They don't have a lot of illnesses. They have mental illnesses, or some of them may have illnesses related to drug abuse or, you know, because some people, they're homeless for a reason. So sometimes their liver is shot because all the alcohol. Sometimes they may have um, HIV because of, or other kind of infections because they're shooting up. But for the most part, they're pretty resilient. Yeah, so the, the Brad Pivot says, uh, saw this dude literally eating off the sidewalk. Yeah, no, I, they're... they're like I said, our humans are pretty resilient, man. You can encounter anything and your body's pretty good at fighting stuff off. And so I usually, 
when I've, I've seen the, I've seen some wicked cancers on people that are usually young or they're not too young. And these were like the healthiest people. They drank like purified water. They were vegetarians. They ran three to four times a week. They had the perfect. And then all of a sudden, boom, here it comes. They come to crazy cancers. And then you have people that are like literally like 90, 100 years old. They're still smoking. They're drinking. They're like, you know, not diabetics, but they just not, you know, your textbook example of what health should look like. And they're doing fine. Now, I'm not condoning any kind of behavior. I'm just kind of telling you what my personal experience has been. If you guys, have, I'm going to give you, uh, it's 919, probably 921. If you guys don't have any other questions, I'm going to call it a show. And I thank you guys for participating. It's fun to make it more interactive, honestly. Uh, Brad Pitfall, Pitfall mentions when, the, I'm not going to say that word because YouTube strikes, but uh, when, um, wow. <laughs> when uh when this thing first came out you know what the thing that i'm talking about is happened uh four years ago came out i was without a mask and on public transportation on the daily yeah i was working in clinic it took me 12 months to get it for the first time but then i but i haven't been able to smell since i've had it a few times but the first time I had it, it jacked up my my smell and my taste. My taste is probably like 40% of what it used to be, 30 to 40%, and my, my smell is completely gone. It's been gone for four years. Hi. It's so, yeah, it sucks. Hi. Um, Brad Pitbull says, I knew from Marine Corps training the importance of building a natural immune system. Yeah, you gotta you gotta build a natural immune system, dude. It's just well, it's like the Marine Corps. Right? The Marine, how do you train the Marines? You gotta get them down and dirty, man. You gotta train them hard. That's how you train your immune system by exposing it to all kind of nastiness. Like I go if I go abroad, I drink the water from the top, I kind of hang out, I eat the local food i don't i don't i don't wig out if i if i get something i'm gonna get it um since i grew up in south america so when i go back home i always drink the faucet water so i never gotten sick all right guys it was pleasure uh answering some of the questions it was very interactive and cool dropping some uh, in the notes in the comment section drop in some show ideas if you guys have any any kind of show ideas um yeah i'm also um if you guys want to co-host if you guys want to take a shot at co-hosting with me uh it will be kind of cool we can kind of yeah absolutely brad you're welcome if you guys if you guys ever thought about co-hosting um go ahead and send me a send me a message either at the email or just uh the, at the triple eight number i'll put the number here if you guys we can um 951 uh yeah 
0313. This is for the listeners that are live and also for the listeners that are out there that listen to the show afterwards. If you guys want to co-host on a certain night with me, uh, I would love to do that. We'll uh, we'll talk to each other. We'll probably pick a topic and we'll do some uh, research and then we'll just kind of go on air. It's very easy to go on air and... Um, and um, yeah, and then we'll bounce ideas of each other and we'll kind of do it. It's, it's fun to have another co-host because you can bounce off ideas with one another. And if you guys have any ideas for our show, Brad Pitbull says Bigfoot and Sasquatch. We can do that. I'm gonna, I'll probably reach out to somebody who has um, more experience in the subject because, you know, all the stuff that I can bring you is pretty, pretty basic knowledge. But I'm going to see if I can interview somebody who from the Sasquatch community. I love doing interviews. I hope you guys listened to the interview yesterday with Steve Hummel. That guy was nice, nice guy, and he has a lot of cool stories uh, in regards to the paranormal. So revise our episode from yesterday. Um, yeah, please promote the channel. It helps me a lot. I, trust me, I work like a dog on this channel. I mean, I'm always, even when I'm, I'm at work, I work on this channel. I'm promoting it. I'm kind of tweaking it. Um, trying to you know get the get the the right keywords, putting it on podcast. I just want this thing to to work. And uh, today, well, tomorrow will be my. Let's see. Tomorrow will be our four month anniversary of the channel. And doggone it, I we've done a good job, man. I got like over a hundred shows up. We got like. 3.9 thousand subscribers to the like 3,900 subscribers to the channels. We're average good views, so we're, we're heading the right direction. And um, and it all depends on on you guys. So if you have any p other people that fancy the same sort of paranormal, um, either link them to the show, promote the show, and pr promote the podcast because there's people that rather listen to podcasts, and we're basically we're like any 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 podcast service out there we're we're under strange days paranormal okay that's the only difference everything else is strange days live but on the podcasting service we're under strange days paranormal so every listen everything helps uh, me to acquire the goal i make zero i make a penny i make nothing from the show it's all passion because it's a dream that i've had and uh, i just like to hustle you know i like to hustle and make things happen so i would appreciate you guys Let's see. Thank you, Brad. He says, I'll promote your channel and other live streams. I appreciate you. Brad Pitbull, I tune in when I'm done with the plans of the day. Good deal, man. Ricky Tales podcast will be a good place to promote. Uh, it's a live call in, sh in YouTube. Mostly Latino audio. Freaky Tales. Okay, that is that the name of the... Ricky Tales podcast will be a good place to promote. It's a live call in YouTube show. Mostly Latino audience. That's the name of the channel, Freaky Tales. I know that... Um, I know, I know Miedo Scope has a huge following. He has like almost 80,000 followers and he does a live show too. Uh, and it's all Spanish and he gets calls. I mean, it's like Art Bell in Spanish, but um, I don't want to encroach into the, you know, his, his market. I kind of want to do, because I don't think there's any other live live calling shows a la Art Bell now here in the U.S. that are kind of like just starting out and you kind of have, uh, it's more, um, easier to get in live right freaky tales podcast okay cool yeah i'll take a uh, i'll take a peep at that let me see here you know but all i, I know how it is man i mean 
I know how, how I, I'm used to hustling, dude. Um, I started from scratch, went back to school when I was 27. I had like 13 credits. So when I was 27, I started off school. By the time I was 31, I was in med school. So yeah, dude, hustling is part of what I like to do. And thank God I'm able to do it. And you know, it was just with God's blessing that I was able to to do what I do. But you need, you know, and, and you need the component of hustling has to come from you. And I want this thing to work. So, yeah, calling would be cool. I don't know how I would do it, but like calling in and then telling that I have a podcast, that's kind of awkward. It's like kind of stealing their audience, but hopefully they, they, they get to know uh, this show as well. But hey, Brad, whatever you can work your magic, dude, I appreciate it. And if you ever want to come in, man, and, and co host with me, Brad, that would be kind of cool. Uh, we'll pick a topic and we just kind of run run it from there. Marvelous Minds is on. It's big on promoting Latino-based businesses, podcasts, or any endeavor that spreads knowledge. And appreciate that. The other day I made a... I'm going to look at Marvelous, Marvelous Minds. Uh, the other day I had a client of mine who uh, his mom actually has a, a radio station on which I didn't even know was a thing. She had a radio station on on Facebook. And um, yeah, Marvelous Minds looks, like, looks legit. Um, and so she has a, yeah, she has a radio station on, on, on Facebook. So I might hit her up just to do some stuff. So I can get uh, more exposure, if you will. But with that being said, man, I appreciate every single one of you guys for listening. Um, thank you so much. It means a lot to me to have you guys to listen that you like what I do. Um, it's it's very special. So God bless you guys. Have a great night. Thank you for everybody that tuned in. Thank you, Brad, for for just kind of you know as, asking questions for clutch for everybody that was present in the chat. And um, I'll see you guys tomorrow. God bless you. Have a good night. See you guys.